Welcome back to ES3N, the Essential Sports Network, hosted by three essential workers. With me, as always, are my partners in crime, Richie and Mark Helio. Guys, I want to jump right into it, right? It's championship season. We want to talk championship basketballs around the corner. Playoffs, playoffs, playoffs. You know I love it. Mark Helio, not a whole lot going out of the basketball seed, but we're starting to come into a clear picture of what the championship is going to look like. What's that picture look like? Well, yeah, we got Heat in the Celtics series, and we got Nuggets in the Lakers series. But before we jump into that, I want, I want to kind of divulge off a little bit and just uh, veer off and talk about that, that MPV. That uh, MPV. MVP. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk a little bit more about the MVP. Uh, Giannis, man, it's been a little controversy. I guess uh, the king is pissed right now, man. What do you guys think about that before we get into the series? I think the king can be pissed. You know what? I'm sure the king has pissed off plenty of other people when he's won MVPs. I didn't care when Harden whined about it for two years in a row. You could add LeBron to the list. I'm sorry. that I agree that LeBron is putting out a show here in the playoffs, but the MVP is it based off of playoff basketball? And going in to the break, before the bubble, before COVID and all that, Giannis and the Bucks were putting on a show. They were on pace to set records for wins in a season. They were going to be greatness. That break, I feel, hurt us a little bit, gave the Lakers a little bit of more time. And LeBron's got a bigger supporting cast, man. Giannis got it done without... You know, got, I mean, he's got Middleton. LeBron's got AD. Yeah, I mean, for me, I look at it in multi, a multitude of ways. So when you talk about the voting, to me, the most important vote that should carry the most value should come from those that are associated with the game, and that's the coaches and the players. Uh, they Some get votes. There's 101 votes, I believe, is what it is, the total. Um, and a lot of that comes from the media. And media is a great thing, but I am not pro-media in any aspect of when it comes to determining something like an MVP trophy. Um, because you just you don't know what their basketball knowledge is to say that somebody is the best player in a given time. Now, there is the argument that the MVP voting and all these awards were voted on before uh, the shutdown or at the shutdown because we didn't know if we were going to get a continued season. And so somebody proposed to me, well, when you determine the MVP, the playoffs should matter. My argument to that is that's a reason we have what's called the finals MVP. That is the MVP for the player in the playoffs. The MVP trophy itself is the trophy for the regular season. And that's why you have a MVP and a finals MVP. And so I think you, you have to, to ha people have to understand that there is a difference in that there's a playoff MVP, a regular season MVP, but I think the change doesn't need to be, uh, necessarily how many MVPs we give out. It's, it's who's voting on these MVPs. And LeBron can be pissed all he wants. I could care less if LeBron's pissed. Giannis deserved it. But I do think there needs to be a change as to who's filling out these ballots. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I agree to what you said as far as, you know, being voted by your peers and more of the coaches and players, um, you know, participate in the vote. However, um, I think the right decision was made in this. Um, I think what LeBron was pissed of, pissed about was the fact that he only received 15 votes. But I think, you know, that that tells you the type of dominance that Giannis had this year. And, and if you look at, you know, the numbers, just the sheer numbers, 29 points, one block, one steal, 5.6 assists, 13 rebounds. LeBron averaged 25, uh, 0.5 blocks, 1.2 steals. He had did leave this in assists, but one thing that I think that people don't realize and people don't talk about is the fact that Giannis only did that with playing 30 minutes a game. You know, uh, LeBron was playing 30, 34. So, you know, that, that's that's a big difference. So Absolutely, an excellent point. 
Man, so at the end of the day, men lie, women lie, numbers don't, don't lie. But moving well, on, you think, you think the Nuggets are going hmm? to get it done, man? You think the Nuggets got any chance of beating them? Uh, it, we, as it looks right now at the end of the third quarter, I say, yeah. <laughs> well, right, but, well, they're up right now. Really, in the middle of game really, three. The Nuggets are up ninety three seventy five over the Lakers, but the Lakers hold a two nothing series lead. Yeah, is that life for the, thought, that life for the Nuggets? At the, at, the at the beginning of at the beginning of this series, I, I basically said the Nuggets would win two games, and you know, it'd be a four two series. But it, it's looking interesting. You know, there, there is opportunities where Nuggets could have won. You know, one of the games and how they're winning, they're winning uh, by a lot right now. They're winning by almost what, almost twenty points. So they have an opportunity to establish some dominance here, and maybe psychologically they could put something in, in, the, in the Lakers' mind because even with the shot that Antonio Davis took to win the game, it took that shot took him to call. And if if Denver has proved anything within the last two series is that they have a lot of fight in them. Yeah, and, and I think with, with what you're saying there, Marquillo, I truly, look, I, I don't know that anybody gave Denver a shot. I don't, you know, I know the three of us all expected the Lakers to win. Um, like like you, Marquillo, uh, I did expect Denver to sneak a win or two out. But I think with the way that Denver played in game two and the way they're playing right now, if Denver can win this game, the amount of confidence that they're going to have going into game four is going to be incredible because like we said, LeBron's upset about the MVP and LeBron wanted to make a statement. Well, Denver made a statement and they are handling business uh, in game two. Jamal Murray played all, but I think four minutes of the game, he was plus minus 16 plus minus 16 when he was on the court and they still lost by double digits, which shows how bad they were when he was removed from the game. Uh, now, an incredible game winner by Anthony Davis gives them a 2-0 lead. But like you said, I think that if they can close this out, the confidence this young squad is going to have, they got nothing to lose. They're the ones, they got no pressure. The Lakers are the ones in the media every day. LeBron. AD, what's going on? When is this going to be over? What are you guys doing? What about this? What about that? Dem Denver's chilling. They're chilling. They're showing up to work doing what they got to do and going home. You know, and, and I think that gives them a, like you said, I think it gives them a psychological advantage because they don't have any noise that they have to try to balance. No joke. No joke there. Well, that leaves us with one other series to talk about when talking about the NBA playoffs, right? Is the Heat Celtics. Celtics finally showed some life coming back in game three, game four, coming up tomorrow, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, this this, this is intense, man. Um, Celtics finally showed up. And I think it speaks to what we had uh, talked about prior when we talked about the, the intensity and how Boston attacked the basket or needed to attack the basket uh, in the prior games. Um, with with this last game, you can just see their their how, how they went after the went went straight to the goal and was getting easy kickout shots. And it's just the flow of basketball came to them a lot better. It came some of the some of the flow that the Bucks needed at the time of, of, of attacking the basket and kicking out, getting getting wide open lanes, and you know getting going to the line and. You know, dominating, using those intangibles that actually win games, not just always taking it for that shots. Because once again, it builds the confidence once you've seen the bucket go in, once you've got the contact, and once you've established that part of the game, it opens up those shots. I, I, I think what people or what players come into the game trying to do is shoot their way out of a slump, shoot their way, you know, shoot to stay hot, shoot to keep hot, and and forget about going to the bucket and creating flow of offense around getting better shots. Yeah, and Markelio, with what, with what you're saying there, I mean, it makes total sense because when you look at elite players in the league, 
I, I think the three of us can all agree that that's what Jimmy Butler is, uh, both as an offensive and defensive player, being the be- one of the best two-way players in the league. Uh, Bam Adebayo has shown growth in this playoffs, but he's still a young guy. And so when you have a Kemba Walker, a Jalen Brown, a Jason Tatum, you have to use your size, your quickness, your veteran experience to take advantage of some of these guys, a Gorgon Drogic, a Tyler Hero, a Duncan Robinson, who might be smaller guys who you can you know, out-athletic, who you can overpower, who you can take in the post. And Brad Stevens, who has, who has been nothing but a uh, manipulative brain master, so to speak, when it comes to X's and O's since coming to the NBA from the college game, has to find ways to create those mismatches down in the paint. You got to find a way to get Bam out of bio out to the three point line, open that lane up. You have to find a way to get Jason Tatum, you know, off of Jimmy Butler, get somebody else on him. And, and, and it, it just comes back to the idea of scheming and the coaching battle. But Boston very much has the talent. And on paper, you probably even think they should be winning this series. No doubt. No doubt. I think that it's really going to be a good championship series, but I'm calling it already a Heat-Lakers championship. Lakers-Boston. Lakers-Boston, Mark Gillia. All right. You know, I can respect that. <laughs> the, the only thing that would make a Lakers-Heat finals better is if you still walked the good old 33 and 24 out to the court and we got the Shaq Kobe finals that we all wanted when they went their separate ways. But, uh, Chris, I'm with you. I think it's going to be heat Lakers. Um, but I would like to see Denver. Then I would like to see Denver upset some people because the ratings will not be happy if the nuggets make finals. Not at all. No doubt. Well, that lets us jump right in to my personal favorite for the season, football, 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 gentlemen. And before we start talking games, I want to talk about the absolute god-awful luck that almost every team in the league experienced this weekend, right? No more so than my way-too-early pick for the Super Bowl, the 49ers, right? Uh, Bosa. Defensive end, out for the year with a torn ACL, right? Mozart, right? Rookie quarterback, out with an MCL sprain two to four weeks. Tevin Coleman, knee injury, gone multiple weeks. Jimmy G, high ankle sprain, week to week. Add that to Kittle, who already was having a knee, nursing a knee injury. He should come back this week. I'm hopeful my fantasy football's. Teams are hopeful. Um, what Verrett, uh, Witherspoon, D4, Ayoku, uh, the wide receivers coming back, Debo Samuel still on the injured list, Garland. I mean, who's left to play football in no San one. Francisco? Exactly. No one in San Francisco. Just- and they don't have a quarterback to throw it. They don't have a wide receiver to catch it. We're going to need a program just to see who's in their starting lineup next week. Because I sure am not going to know them. <laughs> right? Then yeah. we look at what? Look, then uh, Shaquan Barkley, right? Out for the season. There was a solid 2-3 pick in almost every fantasy football season. That's just epically shaking everybody. And this, guys, I don't know if you actually saw this, but the, the Giants have signed Devontae Freeman. Yes. Yes, they did. As a result of that injury, because he's done for the year, right? Um, the Broncos, Drew Locke, severe rotator cuff sprayed out two to six weeks. Cortland Sutton, wide receiver, Denver out. Torn ACL and MCL out for season. And the saddest piece of news, right? James White, running back, Atlanta. Parents are in a horrible car crash. Father passed away. Mom's in critical condition. Uh, us at the ES3 family, our prayers go out to him and his. Hopefully his mother recovers. And uh, 
they can work through that loss together. Tyrod Taylor and kind of an odd pull, right? Chest pains. I know he did recover from a broken rib uh, last week, but he had practice. Set the Chargers uh, back a little bit. Their rookie quarterback kind of stepped up. Certainly they're dueling out. The one I'm most concerned about, because I've got him in a few fantasy leagues, Devontae Adams, right? Green Bay, also Corey Lindsley, hand injury. Then maybe the big one, the first overall draft, uh, fantasy draft pick, almost consensus around the league, Christian McCaffrey, right? Don't remind <laughs> me. In uh, Richie's wonderful fantasy football dynasty league under his invite. And, of course, whispered in my ear, not that I would have picked anybody else, Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey. And what happens week two? High ankle sprayed out four to six weeks. I'll get him back just in time for the playoffs if I'm a contender. Uh, Bruce Irvins for Seattle out with the knee injury. Cam Akers, another good running back I have. Uh, Rams to be determined. Uh, Campo from the Colts out with the PCL and MCL. I mean, guys, is it just, I mean, I, I like to read injury reports. They always seem a little long, but I'm used to not recognizing, well, 80% well, of the names, these are stars. Only, these are only, people we know. I count on them for fantasy football wins. You know, and, and to, I mean, not to, to continue on the, the downward spiral of bad news, but, I mean, you just talked about the guys that got hurt. You know, you had mentioned George Kittle already was hurt. Michael Thomas did not play last night against the Raiders. Uh, Chris Godwin from the Buccaneers was in concussion protocol. And so there was already some big names that, that were already out going into the week. Um, and, and so it's, it's – they talk about, you know, you watch the, the, the NFL shows or ESPN, or you know, they talk about it being the lack of there being a preseason, you know, the lack of there being hitting or, or all of these things that there's lack of due to COVID. Uh, most of these guys probably wouldn't play in the preseason anyway, but but it, it, this is just crazy, crazy. I I, I'm, I mean I got waiver claims for guys that I've never even heard of <laughs> out this week. It just it's so it's so wild. Yeah, man. Uh, just to continue <laughs> off the fantasy football. I happen to be the individual that has Christian McCaffrey, and I happen to be the individual that has Chris Godwin. To live in the state where Kenny Clark was hurt the week before, and we don't know the status of him right now. And going into a week where we have to face New Orleans run game, I am terrified of injuries right now. It's, it's just it's tragic, man. It's tragic. But I guess this is a result of not having the preseason and not having the training camp needed. Uh, you know, that's why you got to make the teams a little bit bigger, make those practice squads a little bit larger so you can go grab someone because you never know who's going to be needed on any given Sunday. Well, um, and, and Marquillo, let me ask you this. You talked about the importance of, of Kenny Clark. Um, I don't know, and maybe you guys know something I don't, but there hasn't seemed to be any word as to what what's the expectation for Devontae Adams going into next week is. Uh, Michael Thomas is being flown up early to visit with the Green Bay doctors about being cleared for that game. But we talk about Green Bay's game last week. They played Detroit. Should have been a, a blowout, which it was. Uh, but But we talk about the injury to Adams, which happened early. The team was carried by Aaron Jones. Rodgers still did his. But how if, if this thing with Adams lingers or, or he has to miss games, how long is Green Bay going to be able to do this without the passing game? Because the reality is, is no matter who they walk out there, that person is not Devontae Adams. And the answer to that question, Richie, is not long. This is where... Green Bay's failure to act in the offseason to secure help at the wide receiver position, failure to obtain help in the wide receiver position at the draft, even though it was a deep wide receiver draft, 
is coming back to haunt them again. Devontae Adams uh, has played through a lot of injuries before. I'm sure he'll play through this one, but he is an absolute need for the Packers. Absolute need. You bring up Kenny Clark, also an interesting who, what are we going to do? The Packers, once again, are showing their weaknesses in the same two areas. They seem to show it every year, and because of that failure to recognize it or problem, yeah. they haven't addressed it. Yeah, the, the, the sad thing is, um, and the scary thing is, we have another week where we have like six drops where you just see people have the balls put right where they need to be and go through the fingers. Um, that that is the problem that we've seen with Jamon Moore, and unfortunately, you know, MVS sometimes looks like the Jamon Moore has has the Jamon Moore hands. Um, but I'm I'm really hoping. Who really scares me is Jay Sternberger, uh, that tight end position. Robert Tanyan and Josiah DeGar is really going to have to step up. They're going to have to be creative with their scheming and, and how they're going to, you know, play, uh, their run their offense uh, because just we don't have that tight end. Uh, the tight end position is becoming so critical. We see that with Kittle. We saw that last night with, with uh, Las Vegas and Waller. I mean, if we don't have that tight end position and we don't have dependable wide receivers, Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're just gonna zone. They're gonna load up on on, on Jones, and it's gonna be tough for those teams that have that have skill. Uh, we've 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 been lucky, not to say that Detroit Lions, but you know Detroit Lions and, and Minnesota. People thought Minnesota was better, but Minnesota is starting to kind of show the true colors. I told you guys that they weren't gonna be that good, but anyways, Minnesota's showing their true colors, um, and and Packers really have to figure it out. Um, I am excited about people such as Tyler Irving, um, you know, stepping up and, and being part of that creative offense that I was speaking of and finding out ways to get the ball to certain playmakers. But there's going to have to be some stepping up, man. There's going to have to be some stepping up. No doubt. Well, and you talk about that. Let's start with the Packers-Lions game, right? Packers beat the Lions 42-21. Packers putting up almost 80 points or so. In their last two games, uh, Jones has three touchdowns in the win uh, this week. Absolutely dominates at the line of scrimmage. Finds holes, running through. Is it really the quality of the team, or is it are the Packers fighting up? Is it who they're playing? Yeah, well, here and here's the thing, Chris, because Markelly, I'm, I'm going to let you be able to, to, you know, as a fan, be able to go into what you're seeing, but. For me, it's it's. I hate to see it as a non-Packer fan and as a fan of a rival. At the end of the day, we are, we're fans, right? And we pick apart our favorite teams, good or bad. We find something to complain about. Chicago's two and zero. I complain about Trubisky. It's it's that obvious, right? The Packers. We go back to you. Keep going. We keep going back to the idea of the receiving core. This isn't college football. You play who is on your schedule. If your record at the end is good enough, you continue on. There's no voting. There's no, I need to get sexy wins. And so Green Bay is one of the, the teams that is 2-0. Whether it's, and even though we're, there's complaints, they've done it in an impressive fashion. Yeah. They have blown two teams. Well, they should have blown Minnesota out, a high-scoring game. They blew Detroit out. And so can you really sit here and continue to knock a team who's putting up the points they're putting up, and they are 2-0? and I'm happy. I'm very happy. And, and with the, the pleasant surprise of the Packers, you know, I've talked about where some improvement is, but kudos to that offensive line. Because of the injuries, the, the, the shifting that's been done, uh, Elgin Jenkins, uh, Corey Lindsay's been amazing. Uh, even Rick Wagner coming over there. And, and, I mean, every one of those guys has been amazing. I've watched two games, and I've only seen Aaron Rodgers maybe on the ground once in those two games. So to keep his jersey clean 
And to open up those holes that they did for Aaron Jones, I, I'm happy. I'm a happy fan right now. So I, I take in consideration what you're saying, and I'm appreciative because it could be a lot worse. A lot of people didn't think that we'd start 2-0, but I did. Well, you talk about happy fans and teams starting 2-0 that I didn't see. We could go ahead and transition over to Richie's favorite team, the Bears somehow, and I, I say somehow when Shaquan Barkley is injured and taken out of the game probably helps a great deal. The Bears squeak out a win over the Giants, 17-13. I, the Giants did almost compose a comeback there. Richie, will it continue? Yeah, it's it's I call it I call it luck in the windy city is the way that I wrote it down because it's because that that's basically what it's uh, become when, you know, Trubisky threw two interceptions, which he didn't do the week before. So there was kind of, I guess, a revert backwards in, in that retrospect compared to what he did do the week before. But I think the difference was, is this week they finally committed to Montgomery. And when you watch the, the game, uh, when we commit to the run game, we, we do a better job of opening things up because now you can't just sit on the outside and make Trubisky beat you. Because Montgomery, when he starts to pick apart and start to make plays, you now have to commit to a balanced offense. The, the biggest thing, I, I, and again, you talked about the comeback. We had, for the Bears receivers, you had two dropped potential touchdowns. They had a pick six called back. That, that was, he did return it to the end zone and it was called back. So realistically, they should have had 21 more points than they did. The defense again stepped up to make a play at the end of the game to get the win. But, but that worries me because it, we continue to go back to the same old thing of the defense carrying this team. And in the NFL, you cannot win when the defense is on the field for almost 45 minutes a game. It just, it's not feasible. And so they have to do something with this offense to make sure they can put up points and give this defense a break. Can I ask you a question, Richie? Yeah. Who is the tight end for the Chicago Bears? The one, that the one that scored in week one or the one that disappeared in week two? <laughs> I just, I mean, I, I know I know you guys got Jimmy Graham over there, but I'm not even counting him. Did he, did he, is he playing this year? He, so he scored week one. Um, he, he caught a touchdown week one against Detroit. Um, our, our, our passing game was virtually non-existent this past week. Uh, Trubisky didn't even get to 200 yards. Our top receiver, uh, I think, I believe, was was had maybe 40 yards on the day. Allen Robinson had 33 or 31 yards total on the day. So it was a lot of Montgomery. Uh, he Montgomery had, I think, 82 yards rushing and also was the top reception getter uh, on the check down. So Jimmy Graham is your starting tight end? Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I was just joking. Uh, but here's the thing, though. Not like, to rub salt in the wound, <laughs> Richie. But, but, How, what do you think it's going to take for the quarterback you paid $88 million a year, Nick Foles, uh, to, sure. to get off of the bench and take okay. over? And, and here's, here's the thing that people don't understand. One, Nick Foles is not getting $88 million. He got his guaranteed money from Jacksonville. And two, we can cut Nick Foles at any point and send him on his way with a suitcase whenever it is we want because his bonus has already been paid out. The, the, the thing that, that aggravates me, and this went back to even Trubisky's rookie year, which so far has been his most successful year in the league, is the inability of Matt Nagy to commit to a balanced offense. When the run game works, he, he, he ditches it. And then goes, Trubisky, let's go, baby. You got to go out here and win us the game. No, dude, just keep doing what you're doing. And, and again, he he seems to want to only pass the ball. And 
Yes, Matt Nagy, when you come from Kansas City and your quarterback is Pat Mahomes, you can do that. We are not Kansas City and we don't have Pat Mahomes. So you need to create balance. And again, I'm, I'm going to Oh my God. That's all right. We're going to move on from the Bears. <laughs> More time than the Bears fans spend. No, no, no. Hold on. I didn't. My, my camera froze. Markelia, who'd you say? I said, you, you guys still got pretty good running backs over there, too. Like, they're young and, you know. You can actually do something if, if and you they just and that. they just re-signed Tariq Cohen to a three-year deal. Yeah, that's what I was just saying. But yes, Chris, like you said, getting on to other news, um, I, I would like to go into the battle of the garbage bowl that was Thursday night. Some team from Ohio had to win, some team from Ohio had to lose, and that was the Browns and the Bengals uh, because Mr. Leopold is is very high on the 70 passes a game Joe Burrow leading Bengals. I'm high on it because I need in at least the two leagues I play with you, Richie, quarterback help in at least one of them. Uh, that's the one I've got, Drew Brees, the Saints, and Drew have not looked good, call it the absence of his number one weapon, as was blatantly obvious against that St. Raiders game, but we'll get to that in a minute here. I mean, the Bengals-Browns. Yeah, the Bengals played the Browns. The team <laughs> from Ohio lost. That's a headline we're used to. No, Joe Burrow, I think, has got a bright future. I'm banking on him throwing those 70. It seems as long as he gets the yards and a couple of touchdowns, that fantasy football-wise, he's a good fill-in for me. I took him as a Flyers last pick and several of them. But it still doesn't bring me to watch the games, although I think him and uh, T.Y. Boyd have a big future. Um, I'm surprised A.J. Green hasn't built up more of a repertoire with him, but I think that's getting built. Um, but it was the Browns' day, right? Nick Chubb had 124 yards, two touchdowns. Baker Mayfield didn't look like a total dumpster fire. There may be a few good things going on in Cleveland. I'm not sold on either one of them as a contender. Yeah. What about you, Markilla? You see they're one of these teams with a future? Cincinnati has the same syndrome that you were just speaking of with the Bears. Um, why not run the ball? You got Joe Mixon back there. Like, I, I don't get it, you know. Well, that's because Richie picked up Joe Mixon, who fell to him in the fifth round. How's that working out for you, Richie? He had a decent week one, but they only, <laughs> gave, him, they only gave him 20 total touches this last week. You ain't going to yeah. win that way. It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable, especially when you have a player to the Joe Mixon caliber. Like, they, Cleveland Browns did exactly what Cincinnati should have did. You know, they they should have played better power football and, and, and did. Nick Chubb should have Joe, Joe Mixon should have been doing the same thing that Nick Chubb was doing. Um, they deserve it, man. I mean, Cleveland and Cincinnati is both going to suck this year, so <laughs> it's not going to matter much. That's the news every uh, year, and I know it, it's going to be a minute. I mean, you look at the roster and you think at least one of those teams has to have enough talent to finish out of the basement, and every year it, – Bad. It's crazy. It's crazy how animated the characters are on there, from Baker to to Odell to Jarvis. I mean, you would think that they would play uh, consistently a lot better, but maybe this will project them in the right direction, and uh, they'll start looking. Maybe if they keep playing the like only other team in Clippers. Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> Those Clippers with Kawhi, they'll make it into the playoffs at least. Yeah. Well, all right. As, well, as we go that dumpster fire, man. Let's talk the good close game, dude. Mike McCarthy, right? Cowboys, Falcons, 39 40. Cowboys squeak it out. The big, the big controversy Mike McCarthy's decision to go for the two point conversion as early as he did. Dak Prescott. Pulling it together in the second half, right? I mean, the guy throws next to nothing in the first half, throws three in the back end, that rushes for one. I'm not, not – rushed rush for three, threw for one. There it is. Rush for three, threw for one. How about them Cowboys? Man, listen, two things. 
One, uh, Dan Quinn, you need to teach your onside return team how to field an onside kick. Um, oh, Joe. Now, I, I listened to Tony Dungy on, uh, is it Football in America? Is that what the, the NBC show is called that Dungy does? Um, but he was talking about how NFL teams teach their teams in that situation. And he said what the Falcons did by how they teach it was they were correct. When the ball doesn't travel 10 yards, it, it's a penalty on the kicking team. And so they tell you to surround the ball, set up shop, and let the ball just sit there because if it doesn't go 10 yards, you get the ball and so it's a penalty. Well, the way that Dallas kicked the ball, it's spinning, and the Falcons did exactly that. They surrounded the football, and they let it just roll and roll and roll. Well, by the blessing of, of, of apparently the, the Dallas football ghosts and of God's past, went and the ball magically took a right turn and got to that 11th yard, they recovered it. Um, but more importantly, uh, if McCarthy can get this offense clicking the cowboys might have the best assemble of weapons in the nfl when you talk about zeke elliott what he does running and catching the ball cd lamb went over 100 this week amari cooper was just at 100 this week dalton schultz went for 88 and a touch michael gallup had two catches for 58 yards that's almost 30 yards of reception if it gets into a shootout, you got to be able to think the Cowboys can compete with anybody. But their defense is so bad. Yeah, it's porous. It leaks everywhere, man. That's a that's a sinking ship right there. Yeah, I, man, I, I love I love Tony Dungy. I, I I think he was a great football player. I think he was a great coach. But I disagree to disagree with this because. It also is a possibility that that ball can go 10 yards, and once it goes 10 yards, it becomes anybody ball. So if you're in a position to pick it up and it's next to you and it's before that 10-yard line, you got to pick it up because what happens if you don't surround it or even if you do surround it, when you're going for a scrimmage for, for a ball, anything is possible. So you have to you have to grab that ball. You have to not just be trying to establish position, but grab the ball because that's the difference between a win and loss in that game. The momentum had already shifted. Uh, it, it shouldn't have happened. Shouldn't have happened. Special teams, special teams, special teams, special teams. Yeah, and and to go back to it, I mean, you guys keep. I mean, you guys keep talking about the ability or the inability to trust Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan this year completing passes at 68%, 723 yards, six touchdowns to one interception. I mean, the dude's balling his butt off. How many rings does he have? What's that? I asked how many Super Bowl rings he has. Again, not a part of the conversation because nobody's talking Super Bowl right now. Always balls out. Matt Ryan cannot win the big game. I'm talking I don't about, care what he does during the year if you can't win the big game. That's fine. I'm talking week two of the 2020 NFL season. I'm not talking Dang, about the Super Bowl. Good. He's looking good. You know? and, and Julio Jones dropped a walk-off touchdown. Yeah, who would have Hit him right in the hands, in the end zone, and he dropped it. So, again, going back to they need to find a way to close games. That's always been their issue. It, I, I don't, again, I don't know that it is a Matt Ryan issue. I don't know that it is a Julio Jones issue. I think it is a coaching issue as to why they can't continue to close out these games. No doubt. No doubt. All right. So next close game I want to talk about Jaguars Titans, right? 30-33 in favor of the Titans. Tannehill throws four touchdowns and they win by a last bit of field goal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Jaguars have been finding a way to piece it together. 
I think is is the real story here. I mean, I think we all kind of thought Oklahoma lost that game. They did, but but yeah, I they think, did. But they showed a lot, right? And, and I think you know we expected the Titans to be kind of what they are. One week they can win with Tannehill. They're not going to be able to lean on them all year, but they're going to play power football, and they were going to be good based on what they showed us in the playoffs last year. But again, you look at it, you look at what the Jaguars have been able to do these first two weeks. There's guys out there that if they didn't have their name on the front of their helmet first day of practice, you don't know who they are. But yet they're one and one. They lose on a last second field goal, like you just said, with a bunch of guys that you don't know. And I think they're showing what every what what nobody expected. And they're giving heart. They're playing hard. And they're competitive. And I don't know what else you can ask from a bunch of guys that they that they picked up at the grocery store on Saturday. Yeah, I think that they're taking after the character of their quarterback, Mitchell. Um, just just the tenacity and the fight and the grit that, that he exemplifies just even as a quarterback that you never thought would be starting in the NFL right now. So uh, they had a fighting chance, you know, and, and hey, kudos to them, like I say. Uh, because I thought it, I thought it was going to be over in the first quarter. <laughs> now, when we're talking dumpster fires, and we kind of touched on them a bit earlier, the Vikings, Kurt Cousins, right? The eighty-five million dollar guaranteed man throws three, three interceptions in this game, losing terribly to the Colts, eleven twenty-eight, and it makes it sound closer than it actually was. <laughs> I wanted to ask you guys, do you think that we could get a hotline set up where we can call Kirk Cousins and let him know that we're going into week three of the season and that if he doesn't plan on showing up to at least give Minnesota a phone call? Because where is he at? He's predictable, man. He's forcing it. He knows that dealing is his only threat and, He's just he's not making smart decisions, not making smart reads. He's 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 pressing it because he realized that people are are recognizing that the Minnesota Vikings might not be quite as good as people thought they were. So now he's pressing and he's trying to make those miraculous passes and he's really showing that he's Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Told you guys in the beginning. There's a difference between those teams, um, you know, uh, when you look at the, the Minnesota Vikings and you look at the Green Bay Packers, and, and it's also those quarterbacks that, that you know, that's running. Kirk Cousins was the weak spot there, right? Right. And that was where we all were. Again, that's one of those things where you look on paper, they've got some talented wide receivers, they've got some talented running back, they've got a good defense. Or at least on paper, they have a good defense. But they're yeah, they they're just failing to show up on the field. Yeah. Well, speaking of on paper, uh, the one we didn't touch on, Anthony Barr, I believe, is done for the season as well for the Vikings. Um, but but to every every story, there's two sides, right? Jonathan Taylor, welcome to prime time, baby. Hundred yard game uh, showed that shows that he can be the guy. You know, they just lost Marlon Mack last week to an Achilles tear. So people didn't know if Taylor was was ready for the big spotlight yet, but he stepped up. And there is something when when Philip Rivers is throwing to a basketball player, it seems to be magic. Mo Ali Cox, 111 yards shredded the Minnesota defense. Four-year basketball player at Wichita State, you know, very similar story to what we talk about with Antonio Gates. But for whatever reason, Philip Rivers goes to college basketball mid-majors to recruit his tight ends and says, boys, basketball's over. Come catch some passes. No joke. We, we talk about the Vikings there. That gives us a chance <clears throat> to transition right over to the Bills Dolphins there, right? Four Football pickup for Richie Diggs scores his first touchdown with the Bills. Bills squeak out one over the Dolphins. Bills looking like a legitimate football team for the first time in a while here. Do you think they've got what it take? What they what it's going to take, Marquilio? Yeah, man. Um, at the end of the day, the the Bills is is a team that we all said at the beginning of the 
year that they were going to be in the hunt or they were going to be the team to, to beat. Um, they, they, they've consistently showed up. Uh, I know that Miami thought that they were going to, you know, be, be the next team, but with the, with the bills and, and what's going on, I, I just, Josh Allen has been amazing, man. He's gotten me 20, 28 points and 26 points, uh, fantasy points. Um, they digs unfortunately was stolen from me uh, this week, but they they got it's 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 too many weapons out there, and their defense is too good. So I, I expect for them to be in in the hunt. They they're, they're going to win. They're going to win the division. I'm I'm calling it like like I said a couple weeks ago. The Bills is the team to beat. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And you know, last week when I talked about how the Bills played the Jets and, you know, you look at how close this game was with Miami, it has absolutely nothing to do with Josh Allen. I mean, you get it right on the head. He has taken that next step uh, that we all wanted to see out of him when it comes to being a elite quarterback in the NFL. 70% completion, 729 yards, six touchdowns, no picks yet this year. He, he's absolutely getting it done. Um but but it's just it's crazy how they keep these games close. Now again, like we talked about with the Packers, two and zero is two and zero, right? But but it, it just there's something lurking that I'm just like I I, I don't know that I want to necessarily buy. I don't know that I can buy in. I, I don't know that I can jump on that bandwagon. Uh, I I like to see the success of the Bills. I think it's awesome. They struggled for so long and they've only continued to build and do it the right way. Uh, I think they'll win the division, but there's just, I would like to see them get a blowout big statement win that says we are here. We have arrived and Cam Newton, we're waiting on you, brother. Well, no, Joe, you talk about a team that struggled last year and Cam Newton, right? So, or I'm sorry, you talk about a team that struggled last week. Tom Brady's led Buccaneers couldn't buy a competitive edge in their foam opener this week against the Panthers. Bucks show up maybe more so on defense than anywhere else, right? Panthers have four turnovers, right? Yeah. Even, there's even a fake punt in this game. Bucks win 31-17, trying to put last week to rest. Is it a fluke? Is it Todd Brady's finally finding his rhythm? Are the Panthers just that bad? Did Teddy Bridgewater just up and disappear? Yeah, well, I, here, here's the thing. I think it's a combination of everything you just said. I, I don't think Tom Brady's found his rhythm because he yet again threw another pick, which is un-Tom Brady-like. But the defense stepped up. I think you have to attribute some of it to Bridgewater making mistakes. Uh, I don't know that anybody expected Bridgewater to turn the ball over at a clip that he's doing it. Um, but ever so, Tampa Bay is taking advantage of the situation. They lose Christian McCaffrey, you know, so now they're leaning solely on the pass game. Uh, they do have Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore, who have seemed to be uh, a fairly dynamic duo to start. Uh, but again, you, you just talk about the Carolina Panthers, and the four guys that I named is really all the talent that they have right now. Uh, this is a team who on paper is probably – the least talented and when you, I mean, even least amount of young built talent uh, of anybody in the league and would benefit from the number one pick probably more than anybody else. Um, but again, I, I don't know that again, like I just said with the bills, I, I'm not, I can't buy the Buccaneers off this game. I just, I can't, I still think there's a lot of gelling to do. Uh, I think they found a group for Fournette who was able to close the game there at the end for him. But again, uh, Brady just isn't Brady. Well, you can only do so much going into your 40-plus, right? And that's something I, I kind of touched on before. Um, was was Brady going to be Brady? And, you know, was it, was it catching up to him? And how was the team going to jail? Um, you, you saw a lot of a lot of plays where it just seemed like Brady wasn't just putting the ball where it needs to be put, you know, even in, in that scenario. However, I do believe 
within the next three to four weeks, um, we'll, we'll see a well-oiled machine because it's too much talent that's surrounding Brady. I think he's going to get a little bit more comfortable um, and, and get a little bit more accurate, and we'll see Tampa Bay continue to win. Well, we'll see how that goes. Talking about people I'm sure we're going to see continue to win, the Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson, Follows up a strong performance last week with a stronger performance this week. Five touchdowns. Cam Newton also very impressive for the Patriots. But the Seahawks win this one 35-30 on, on the strength of Russell Wilson. Can he be stopped? Are the, are the Seahawks the early pick for the division? Man, this game should have been put away. Um, New England shouldn't even have a chance in this game. Um, because they took that shot at third and one, it just opened up everything and switched the momentum. And it, it, it came down to the offensive line being busted up in one play that was one yard away from this being called a very different game. Um, so Seattle was very lucky that they got away with that bad call or that bad decision that they made. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing what Cam Newton's going to do for the rest of the season because you almost pulled out something miraculous. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, the, the way the game started, you kind of went, oh, when Jason McCourty picks that, that pass off and goes, takes it to the house um, to open up the game, and the Patriots come out up 7 nothing right away. Um, it ended up being what what I thought it was going to be, and it was just a fantastic back-and-forth chess match of a football game, uh, and that's what football's meant to be. I do think Russell Wilson has the early inside track for the MVP. I'll say that. I don't know that the Seahawks um, have shown enough defensively where they've kind of been rebuilding the last couple of years to show that they can – take it all the way, or even beat uh, a Baltimore Ravens team to be considered the, the uh, Super Bowl favorite. Um, but, but Markelia, like you said, I think this game showed a lot when it came to the Patriots offense. You know, Nikhil Harry had to step up, stepped up. Uh, Demery Bird had to step up, stepped up. Julian Edelman played out of his mind. The entirety of that game. Uh, he was so worn out at the end there that he ended up just being overthrown, but he just basically fainted in the end zone because he was just so tired. Um, but I think, you know, much like how we talk about the Patriot or the Buccaneers not gelling, the Patriots seem to kind of be finding their way as they are gelling here and things are starting to click. Uh, you know, and, and I think it's it's fairly safe to say Cam is back. Yeah, it's, there, there's no doubt that Cav made the smart move by taking that one-year uh, prove-it deal with the Patriots, and it's looking like it's already paying off dividends on both sides of the fence. Another game we talked about, close one, Chiefs-Chargers winning overtime, right? 58-yard field goal. I didn't think the Chargers had it in them. They yeah, just had it playing like the Chargers. But they, played it absolutely they got they got they got field goal kickers that obviously can kick seventy five yards. <laughs> <laughs> the the, I mean, the things that talent wise look like they're just overpowering every team in the league. Are the Chargers really? Have they compiled a a list of super secret players that are capable of competing at this level because they look like they were fighting above their weight class. Well, here's the thing with the Chargers, and I think they kind of get a, uh, a – there's a misconception about this team. I think people think they were going to suck. I think people thought, oh, they're just going to roll out the rookie quarterback. Oh, they let Melvin Gordon go. Oh, this Darwin James got hurt, and it's all these things stacked up against them. The Chargers still have a good defense. You know, you talk about Joey Bosa. You talk about Melvin Ingram. Uh, Nasir Adderley was a rookie who didn't get to play last year due to injury. Desmond King, uh, Casey Hayward. They have good corners. They have an underrated defense that, 
that gets after the quarterback. And no matter who you are, whether you're Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, whoever it is, if you can get a quarterback off his spot, that creates turmoil in the offense going the other way. Again, Tyreek Hill getting off to these slow starts, I think, has hurt the Chiefs early in games, which has allowed, has allowed some of their games to be close heading into the back half. Uh, and, and they kind of pull it out at the end when he makes all of these clutch plays. Um, but I think the thing that you got to look at with the Chargers is when you talk about Eckler and Josh Kelly, they're able to run the clock. And when you can waste clock, it doesn't matter how fast the Chiefs go down and score. If I can take 10-minute drives and put up points, it's going to keep me in the game. And I think until we either see Tyrod come back and, and this offense open up, or if they stick with Herbert and let him use his arm strength to take them to the next level, the Chargers are a very underrated team, uh, but they, they're going to be uh, – I think this says more about the Chiefs than it does – the well, well, newsflash, Tyrod Taylor doesn't have a job any longer. It is Justin Herbert's job, man. They, they, they didn't want to hand over those keys early, but them test driving and seeing what he has to offer right now, I think gives them the confidence to go with go beyond Tyrod now, right now. Yeah. I say Justin. Justin's going to start from from this point on. What you think about that? That might be even despite Anthony Lynn coming out and saying that uh, Tyrod will take the will get the job back. I don't think it's going to (laughs) happen. I don't think it's going to happen because they were already talking about that towards closer towards mid or end of the season, anyways. Because Tyrod Taylor was never really seen as a quarterback that was going to take you to the next level. Tyrod Taylor was always seen as a quarterback that managed the game. He wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna lose the game on his arm, but you also weren't gonna win the game on his on his, on his arm. So um, Herbert brought a new flair to that position, and with the exception of the one cross body pass that he did and the one interception. He was dead. He was on, man. He looked pretty good. He looked like a, a, almost a, a veteran quarterback. Uh, it was shocking to me how, how good he was. So I didn't think he was going to take it to the Chiefs the way he did. Certainly, they've got a lot, a, a lot of uh, high expectations there with the Chargers. Which brings me to let's go to there are some other games to talk about here, but I want to jump straight to Monday night, mainly because. Of what it did to my fantasy football, I was running the table in my five leagues, rolling into this game, and the ever creatively named Eric's team, who I played, started the only player for the Saints who could do anything, Camara, who then proceeded. I was up by thirty points. I think Camara came and dropped thirty-six, and that's what I lost by. Can I tell you? You did not want to be sitting on the couch watching me with that game when he hit that touchdown in the third, was it the third or the fourth quarter, whichever fourth quarter I think it was, that sent him over. I was cursing up a streak. Kids were coming out of the bedrooms. They were like, what is going on? I was like, that just cost me a game. I am now one and one in my two free leagues, both the ones I play with Richie. I'm happy to be undefeated in all three of my pay leagues, but I'm not going to lie. That Saints game, this Saints team, I've got too many Saints players for them to be playing football the way they did Monday night. Raiders had the home opener. That stadium looks amazing. I cannot wait to get there and go catch a game there. But the Raiders, I mean, Carr had three touchdowns. Drew Brees, another interception. Uh, what is it? Waller, though. Waller, tight end for Las Vegas. Oh, my God. I mean, he opened up on me in another league, too. Made it very close. I was sweating out another game thanks to him. I'll tell you, really wasn't expecting that much from these guys. And it seemed not like 
they really spread it around. It wasn't that they did much as a team. There were key players on each team that basically dominated the stats, at least fantasy-wise, for the entire team. And that did me in. And you know what? Gave me a reason to watch Monday Night Football because I don't think the Saints or the Raiders are going to get very far this year. But, man, if that, that game I watched from start to end and bit my nails the entire time through. Eric, good W, man. I'll see you again later in the season. Lightning ain't going to strike twice. Well, I think that both those teams are going to end up being good, you know, when it's said and done. They, they just happen to go up against each other. Um, but unfortunately, just as you spoke of with uh, fantasy football, I had Josh Jacobs, you know, who the Las Vegas Raiders won. But Josh Jacobs was out of the game for a period of time. It's funny. I, I was talking to Ricky before this, and we were talking, saying we basically – I was feeling like I basically was going to win because all I needed was like 14 points from Josh Jacobs. And I was one point away from one, – one point one something away from getting the victory. So it was so upsetting see him nickel and dime a, 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 a yard here and a yard there. And what happened to their offensive line a couple of times? I felt like he the only way he was going to get positive yards is if, it's, if, if he was Barry Sanders. Because I swear, as soon as he touched the ball, someone was always in that backfield. <laughs> yeah, so with the, with the Raiders, um, their starting left tackle was out uh, before the game even started incognito got hurt during the game and so they were down two starters by the second quarter um because i noticed the same thing like i was like uh like i told you in in the keeper league that i have i needed josh jacobs to go wild for me to to have a chance at a comeback and i didn't but in the ever old es3n league i was down i think it was 11 points going into last night's game I had two players yet to play, so I felt fairly confident in what was going to happen. Those two players were named Alvin Kamara and Darren Waller. And not only was I down double digits going into that game, I ended up winning by 50. And it was an absolute massacre uh, by the time that game ended. Um, you know, and, and as much... As I was like Chris, I was getting frustrated with Josh Jacobs, but I was loving the Kamara and Waller uh, in trying to balance out my two leagues. I think that the biggest thing that I took away was I have never seen Drew Brees as shook as I've, as I've ever seen him in his career. They went in without Michael Thomas. You know, we don't know what that injury is going to do or how long he's going to be out. Kamara stepped up in a huge way. Uh, a young guy who I has as a deep sleeper uh, in fantasy, Traquan Smith, had a big had a big night last night and not scoring, but was able to get 80 receiving yards on the night. But Drew Brees just looked shook, and it, it's a cause for concern as a team that I thought was going to have Super Bowl aspirations coming into the year. Thought had a chance. They added a piece, Malcolm Jenkins, to that secondary that I thought had the ability to take them over the top. And I don't know if the Saints aren't as good as I thought they were or if Las Vegas is just a bunch of bad dudes putting in work. Or is Thomas as good as we thought he actually was? <laughs> That's the difference maker right there because it's looking like Breeze doesn't really have anyone to throw to you know consistently right yeah no doubt and and the raiders i mean again we talk about it they beat the panthers and they beat a, a hurt saints team but again in the nfl you play who's on your schedule no ifs fans or buts and at the end of the year you just look at the records see who's there see who's not and you know gruden's boys two and oh Absolutely. With that, folks, I'm going to move us right into the you don't want this smoke play player of the game. Gentlemen, do I have one of you want to lead off? Does one of you have a pick you just can't wait to get to? Who didn't want this smoke this week? 
Yeah, let me let me jump right in because I gotta give some hometown love to and, and I didn't talk about him too much when we talked about Green Bay. You notice I talked about everyone else except for Mr. Aaron Jones. 168 rushing yards, career high, 68 yard receiving yards, the third most in his career, 236 yards from scrimmage, the second most yards from scrimmage in a game by a Packers player in team history. Them type of numbers and hey, them glasses that he put on let you know that you don't want that smoke. That was reminiscent of primetime, baby. I don't want that smoke. You would, I do not want to, I would not step in front of Aaron Jones right now. Richie, who you yeah. got? So we talked extensively about him earlier today. Uh, I stuck with the same sport of pro football as I narrowed my, my list down. And the guy to me that has taken the step. Aaron Jones was would made it to my final four, and I couldn't in my heart vote a Packer. Uh, <laughs> but, but there was a quarterback who plays out in the AFC East who sent a text message to Bill Belichick. He then sent a text message to Adam Gase, and this week he sent it to the Miami Dolphins team and said, "This division now belongs to me, and you will go through me." And that is Josh Allen. He has been absolutely incredible. Another strong performance from him. 417 yards passing, four touchdowns, no picks. He has taken the step that I wanted to see out of him as an NFL-level quarterback. And he is just putting the AFC East on notice and letting them know that there is a new sheriff in town. And the sheriff resides in Buffalo upstate new york no joke excellent pick richie excellent pick so i'm going to mix it up a little bit i have a couple of football choices uh but i'm going to mix it up man i'm going with the man the myth the unibrow himself ad anthony davis huge game two buzzy beater three-point winner the clincher while yelling kobe and that's all she wrote you don't want this smoke I don't want it. I don't want to see the Lakers. I didn't want to see the Lakers in the playoffs if my Bucks had made it. I don't want to see the Lakers in the playoffs now, but I don't see how there's any way around it. I think it's the Lakers' years to win it, and unless somebody in the other division can pull an upset, there's going to be a Lakers championship trophy coming back to L.A. real soon. With that said, folks, that's a wrap-up for us here at the ES3N Network. As always, we're going to sign the same way we start every show with our own Markelio Atkins. Glitch in the Matrix.